Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Bomb City Podcast. Today on the show, Joe Campani, Ryan Campy, and Travis Duffy down at Campani Color in Hayward, California. Now, Campani Color is the paint shop that's right next door to South City Rod and Custom. So if you've seen a South City car, you've seen a Campani paint job. These guys do incredible work and I was so excited to get to meet them. And they did not disappoint. Man, what a fun interview. Yeah, I, I don't know what else there is to say. These guys are a ton of fun. Great stories. You're going to hear a lot of cars we talked about in Episode 5 again, but through a slightly different lens. Uh, while the the career paths of these guys have been similar to, to Bill and Donnie's in a lot of ways, they're very different, and they come from pretty different backgrounds. So it was really cool to hear a, another perspective on some of these cars. So sit back and enjoy Episode 7, Campani Color. Yeah, I don't think it, a lot of people don't really know who we are. Yeah. Like... You know, I was at Pomona this year, and um, this guy from the Choppers, the Burbank Choppers, I can't remember his name, he's super cool, super nice guy though, and uh, I was talking to the PPG rep, and he came up, and he was like, are you, he's like, do you work at Company Color? And I was like, yeah, and he goes, are you Joe? And I was like, yeah, and then I um, started talking to him, and he was like, man, you know, he said he liked our work and stuff, but he's like, dude, I, I thought you just like, I, looking at you, I thought you would just, just like sweeping the floors or something. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, because we're young, you know, we're, we, yeah. and I have like That's a super baby face. I look like I'm 12. Yeah. So. I am 12. <laughs> yeah. You just look really old for your age. <laughs> Even hard on yourself. So, yeah, but it, like, what do you, uh. Yeah, I definitely want to hear about how you guys got started out here, but, uh, I guess starting with Breezio's is probably the. Nice place to pick this up. Okay. So, so. I think even before that, Joe's story kind of started. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always... Growing up around cars. Yeah, I grew up around cars. Uh, since I was a baby, I had car toys or whatever. My parents were... My mom and dad were both in the cars. My mom's family was like diehard Ford. And my dad was like a diehard Chevy guy. Yeah. And he got married. <laughs> and uh, obviously that didn't, that didn't work out. <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, no, so I had uh, influence from, you know, my dad was very mechanical and my grandfather and uncle too. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so I learned a lot of my mechanical and my hands-on things from my dad. You know, how to use tools and what things were. My dad taught me how to weld when I was like 10, you know, with like a, like a gas welding, like oxyacetylene. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then my uncle and my grandpa, they would do body work and... Uh, paint work on cars in my my uh, grandparents backyard they had a, a cool little shop in the back and they would paint cars or forklifts or work trucks whatever they had and um and this was in uh this is in south city. south city yeah my mom actually owns the house and still lives there oh cool um so yeah it started when i was a kid just being around everything watching my uncle paint mustangs uh through like the windows of the garage i remember just a few times watching him paint cars and kind of always being always thinking that was pretty cool yeah uh, when I was a kid, uh, probably like six and my dad had bought a 69 Camaro and had it for like a year or two and it was all beat up and ugly. And, uh, so his, one of his good friends, Don Lazari, who ended up getting me into the trade, um, my dad had him paint it and he painted it in his garage up in San Bruno at his house. And, uh, I remember like we went to the house and I remember there's like blue overspray on the ground in the driveway. And I remember I was like that's pretty cool. Like, I kind of like that. And I've always been kind of interested in the painting aspect of it, but I really enjoyed the hands-on mechanical part. Yeah. And so anyways, so when I was like, I always wanted a car. Um, I was, my, my parents were both more into muscle cars than anything. Like their friends all had muscle cars. That was the era they grew up in. 
you know, they were they had cars late seventies, early eighties. Um, always heard about Chevelles and Camaros and Mustangs and Challengers and stuff like that. Um, Louis car, so, yeah, yeah. We actually Louis car, uh, Lafon's car. It's the flamed '69 Chevelle. Yeah, the, that the Bill did the mechanical restoration on. Mm-hmm. That my dad has pictures of that car in front of my grandparents' house in like maybe '78. Wow. Yeah, and uh, him and Lou and the guy who owned the car at the time, Craig, were high school friends. And so, like, I grew up seeing pictures of that, or, like, people coming by and, like, you know, 66 Chevelle with the tunnel ram big block Chevy in it. And that was, like, my car. That's how I grew up on those cars, not yeah. necessarily 30s and 40s cars. So when I was, like, I, know, I started saving money for a car. I wanted to build a car. Uh, probably, like, 12. started seeing, you know, whatever I could find, mowing lawns and stuff. And then, uh... uh I bought it. I actually bought my an engine when I was thirteen. Huh. I had a go kart and uh, I sold it at a garage sale because uh, I was obviously outgrowing it and more interested in building a car. Um, so this guy, this old timer guy, um, who was a friend of a friend, he actually he was sick. He actually had cancer and uh, he was selling off his stuff. And um, he was a real nice guy. I can't remember his name, but he was a real nice guy. And he wanted he was building this three eighty three small block Chevy for this Datsun two eighty Z that he had. It was going to be like kind of like a road race car, and uh, it would have been pretty cool actually if he if you know if he had lived long enough to finish it. But um, he told me you know I'll sell you the engine for like three hundred bucks. It was a performance automotive warehouse stroker crit and uh, two bolt block, super budget, but it was a three eighty three. And it came with some like smog heads that were rebuilt. And uh, so I ended up selling my go-kart. And in the meantime, he had passed away. So I asked my buddy's dad, I'm like, I'm still interested in the motor. You know, uh, you know, when his wife is ready, I'd still like to buy it. And so she was really nice. And she, um, so yeah, she sold me the motor for like 300 bucks. And uh, she gave me, she liked that I was a young kid who was interested in it. So he had all these books and she like gave me all these books, how to build your engine, blah, blah, blah books. And, That's cool. and I started there. And then when I was 14, I ended up having... I ended up buying the Camaro um, off of a family friend. That one. Yeah, yeah the one that's in the shop here. Um, it was a drag car that this guy, I never saw the car or saw pictures of it before, but supposedly it was a drag car that was, it was parted out. The guy couldn't sell it complete, so he stripped it. And uh-huh. um, my friend, a good family friend of ours, Mike McGee, he bought, he somehow, I don't know if he bought or the guy gave him the body shell. And uh, I think the two doors original to the car, but that's it. There was no frame in it, no wiring, no glass, no uh-huh. seats. And you were still 14? I was 14, yeah. That's a hell of a... Yeah, and I bought it. And then, um, so Mike is a big guy. He's into restoring, um, he's big into restoring Camaros and Firebirds and Chevelles and stuff. And uh, so he had enough stuff to kind of make it a roller, but it was all kind of just, you know, junky stuff, but it made it a, a roller. Yeah. And I brought it home and um, um, some people were like kind of supportive and most people kind of laughed at it. They were yeah. like, yeah, right. <laughs> You're never going to build this. Like, it's too much of a project. And I started messing with it and then... Um, so I started kind of doing bodywork right away because I was like the one thing, I was like, well, I could strip it, yeah. you know, it's easy. And then kind of started learning how to do bondo work on it a little bit. And then... Um, and the year was? That was in October of 1998 when I bought the car uh-huh. and when I started on it. And uh, so I got discouraged with it a few times. And I remember there was one day, I was like, I just want to quit on this thing. I just want to get rid of it. Because it was just, it was a big project. And then yeah. I thought it was, it was really, it was wasn't the best starting point for a 14 year old kid but uh so that was 19 october of 88 uh, 98 i was just, i had it running uh i we got it running in uh, april of 2000 and i was you know i basically put the car together 
making like seven twenty five an hour working at service merchandise, and then uh, and that was when we met. Yeah, that was about the time me and you met. Because well, actually, our parent, my mom and your mom worked yeah, together. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then I turned sixteen in July, and then it was my only car for a couple years. Put like forty thousand miles on it, uh-huh. and uh, beat it senseless every time I drove it, and street raced it, and broke it, and. Yeah. She got arrested one night, <laughs> but I was a minor, so they released me to my mom instead uh, for, of taking me. For street racing, or? yeah, it was bullshit. We were yeah. street racing. We were we were victims of police brutality in the car world. My me and my buddy we were messing around. We weren't even messing around. We were just driving down El Camino, and um, San Mateo PD pulled us over and just like tore us up. Although we had a floor jack. And uh, a set of my slicks in the trunk of my friend's Nova. <laughs> so we were definitely going to go street racing that night. Allegedly. But, yeah, it, yeah, it was crazy. I had to get a lawyer. They were trying to take my license for like a year. Wow. Yeah, they weren't playing around. But, um, yeah, that was one of the good, sto- one of the stories of that car. Yeah. Oh, and then, so anyways, I got a job at a, uh, when I was 15, I started working at a collision shop in San Mateo. Uh, Don, the guy I mentioned earlier, who painted my dad's Camaro, got me the job. Um, he was the painter there. And I started out just stripping cars and sweeping the floor, and uh, I was just a little shop boy, yeah. you know, throw gar- you know, take out the garbage, and uh, ended up starting to do body work that summer there, uh, a little bit. Don kind of showed me, I knew like very little, yeah, you know, compared to what he knew. He's a really good body paint guy. He's one, still one of the best that I know, and um, so we learned, you know, he kind of. He really took me under his wing and showed me the basics, and I, I liked it, and um, started getting a little better at it, and then uh, eventually started getting to where I would body work and prime stuff and prep stuff, and then um, he ended up moving up to Auburn. So at that time, um, our the guy who owned the shop, John Pinkerton, who was a great guy, gave me a ton of opportunities. You know, I would screw stuff up, mess stuff up left and right there, and he would let me just fix it and retry it. And, you know, he let me kind of hone my basic painting skills there. Um, but anyway, so Dawn moved, and then I ended up becoming the painter there. And so I'd paint everything that came out of there. And I mean, I was like 18 years old. And uh, um, we did some fun stuff there. Like when the movie Gone in 60 Seconds came out, the Eleanor Mustangs were like a big yeah. kind of deal. And uh, we did an Eleanor clone there out of a real uh, 67 GT 390 car. Um, that was actually one of the first cars I did, and I was like, that thing came out pretty good. Like, it looked good for what I knew, yeah. you know? And then, um, so yeah, when I was, so in the meantime, Ryan was working at Brizio's. Yeah, what what can, year are we in? I think that was around, it's around 2002. Yeah, I started in June of 02, got a job at Brizio's, just, I knew the shop, it was local, yeah. you know? It's a block away from the high school. Joe and I, Joe had just graduated yeah. right around then, and I got a job sweeping. It was really just supposed to be for the summer. Yeah. Sweeping and taking out the trash, shoveling shit, doing that kind of thing. And it turned into a full-time job. I just never left. So 2002, sweeping, doing that kind of thing. Uh, met Bill Ganahl and you know, kind of became friends with him. He had his side shop going on. So I was always over there checking things out. You know, he was doing a 39 Ford that is tucked away here right now. And uh, 
don't know if that sounds good on him or not. But, uh, <laughs> him and Rolf Ritten had a shop together, and uh, I was working with Rolf doing chassis for Roy, doing all the in-house uh, chassis, engines, um, all the chassis components, that kind of thing. And Rolf was moving on to uh, some other ventures and was asking me if I had anybody you know, that wanted to come in and do side work or work on cars, just anybody that could do anything. And I knew Joe and that he was doing body work, doing, had built his Camaro, yeah. was giving me rides home from school in it every day. I mean, still has the thing, still out there and different version of it now. But um, I asked Joe if he wanted to come by one day and, and meet Bill and Rolf and he came by and then that kind of wrote the story of him coming in and becoming the in-house painter and we I guess just yeah teamed up at that point we did I think right after that the uh well the all the car the Barris Merck all the big name stuff Calori Coop McMullen Roadster um <clears throat> pretty much all the stuff that that Bill is known for now through Roy's shop uh Joe and I did all the frames and engines and uh, pretty much everything that Daryl Hollenbeck painted, we did uh, did the chassis for. Wow. And we didn't think a lot of it at the time. It was just what we did, you know. Yeah. It was no different than a cookie cutter frame, you know, so some other roadster. Yeah, they were way harder to do because they were original. They, they were harder <laughs> to do. But we were, we were used to just doing frames. It seemed like every week we were doing a frame. Yeah, realistically, it yeah, wasn't for a every week, but it was every month almost for a couple of years. We were doing frames and no completes until yeah, not at uh, the beginning. Until '06, I guess we yeah, did the '55 Chevy for Roy, yeah. the wow. Pagan Gold. Yeah, we we started on that. Yeah, yeah. That was the first opportunity we got to do. Well, that really Joe got to do. I was kind of riding coattails at that point, but we did actually we did um Reggie Jackson's '41 Willys first. Oh right, yeah. The King I don't know the one. chronological order of all these <laughs> yeah. things, but yeah, actually, yeah. So I started at Brizio's in April of two thousand five. That's when I officially worked there. But I was helping Rolf and Bill a little bit on the side um, with Ron Stanley's thirty nine Ford. Right. It's a. Uh, um, it was done. I don't know when it was done in the sixties. Maybe it was. It's uh, chopped and sectioned and channeled, and um, it's a pretty cool car. So anyways, long story short, <laughs> Bill and Rolf paid me to like kind of they paid me to strip it and stuff like that and. Um, and then when Rolf decided to leave Roy's to pursue other ventures, he asked me if I'd like to try out to work there. So I worked with Rolf. I met him on like a Saturday. We met Roy. And then um, I painted a motor there for him. I helped Rolf kind of help, you know, did it with me. And then um, on like a Saturday, or it was a blown Hemi. That was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and then I'm a Roy. Let me just let me work there <laughs> hired me like, but I was only 20 so you know it was pretty young and were you guys intimidated just, I mean I you... wasn't really intimidated I, don't, I think I was just young and ignorant uh, I definitely thought it was cool to work there because I grew up in South City and Roy was like the king of cars in the local area I didn't realize he was doing cars for every, for people around the world yeah you know Roy Brizio is he's, he's the king to me you know he's yeah for you know, thirty twos, 
And, we uh, didn't really know it outside of I didn't South really, City. Yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in South San Francisco. Yeah, so grew, I grew up in South City High. And it was just... My entire life was like a five-mile radius. Yeah. <laughs> no, and the shop happened. was around the corner from, yeah. both, from both of our houses. I mean, and we, and we yeah. were less than a mile probably from each other. Yeah. And like we would go... I, my, my, uh, I remember going to Roy's shop parties when I was a kid, you know. Actually, won a Rotter's Journal subscription to at one of the raffles there. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, 12? Yeah. And uh, my mom actually has the issues from that year. It might have been, I don't think it was the first year. I think it was the second year of Rotter's Journal. But, so I knew who Roy was and what he was doing was significant. I just didn't realize the level and of the detail and the fit, finish, and quality of the cars. Yeah. Paint-wise, or you know, overall, the entire build quality of the car was just something that tripped me out because I was used to people who were building cars in their garage. And like you were saying, you came from more of like a muscle car background. Yeah. So when a car like the a la carte came in. I mean, did it? I don't. Did it? Did it click at that age? How significant that? The was? a la carte. When we did the a la carte, I knew about it. I knew it was okay. a big deal. But the first day I was at Roy's, I remember it, I, I had no. I knew Bill already because I kind of was helping him a little bit on the side, and. Uh, but I didn't see. I never didn't. See, I never saw the shop Brizio's during the day when it was busy. Guys yeah. were working, so I kind of walked in there and um, I remember being like, "Wow, this is kind of crazy." Like I don't know any of these guys, and they're all, you know, one guy's cutting and welding, another guy's you know building chassis, and one guy's assembling something, and it's it's it uh it's assembly line style. It's pretty yeah. wild, yeah. It's it's cool to go in there when everybody's working and everybody's got their heads down and jamming on stuff and. Uh, it was wild. I walked in there and I was like, wow, this is, this is serious. And so, like, I knew Bill, so I kind of like, hey, Bill, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? And he was putting the grill in the calorie coop when it was in bare metal. And he was doing some uh, doing some sort of welding. I don't remember what he was doing, but it was something with the nose of it and putting the grill in it and mocking stuff up and one stuff together. I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat car. And I had no idea what it was or the history of it. I couldn't even tell a 32 from a 33. I could tell a 32 from a 33, but I couldn't. I didn't know very much about 30s cars. I couldn't tell a 33 from a 34 or a 35 from a 36. And yeah, I'd say the intimidation. Yeah. Back to the intimidation thing. Like it was a little I, foreign for me, yeah. but. I didn't know. I didn't grow up around cars. My family. Yeah, Ryan had no, no car background. I mean, I literally went in there to push a broom huh. and knew of Roy, knew of the cars, but didn't know a 32 from anything else, you know, and just kind of learned and became interested in it. And then the level, the level of car, like Joe was describing, you know, nowadays people see the stuff that we're doing and we're fortunate, but started at the top in a way, yeah. you know, I mean, there's not much higher you could get, I guess, than Roy, as far as the level of car that he's putting out and the consistency and, the numbers of cars that rolled through the doors in the last decade, yeah, which, you know, we got to watch to and yeah. And then especially the stuff that, that Bill was working on. Cause Bill was the youngest guy at the shop aside from myself. I was 15 when I started there and he wasn't, I mean, he was in his twenties, but like going to, when Bill was going to school at that time and working at Roy's almost part time. And then transitioned into like the full time position and, and really dove deep into those projects. And to see him young, I mean, he's younger than we are now, he, tw early 20s when he was doing. He was like the, 26 or 27 when the 
Corey Coop one Pell Beach, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, crazy. It was it was inspiring <laughs> to to see somebody devoted to that and really in a way obsessed with it. Not I don't know about obsessed. He had the background and the knowledge that we didn't have. Yeah. So to us it was like Bill's all Bill's a genius. Bill <laughs> No Bill really is like Be quiet Bill here. He knows how to make he he's a good he knows how to learn and learn about things. Like I learned about things by doing things and messing up and trying over. Bill can research. <laughs> We're uneducated. <laughs> no, really, like Bill is he's smart, you know, he's he trips me out. Like he can research things and I remember he had uh pictures I'm pretty sure it was a Corey Coop. He had pictures blown up of the car and he was scaling the car out to figure out what size wheel was on the car. Yeah, just magnify. And I was like, "What are you doing? Like, I know, you know, I'm like, why are you even doing this?" But Bill would take the time to tell me, and I'd ask him questions. You know, well, this is why we're doing this because, you know, we want to make sure it's we're trying to build this thing as correct as as uh, as we can to how it was, you know, to the time that they want the car to be from. It was hard to get information on that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jack Lori came to the shop. Yeah, Jack Lori. And to see that interaction too, a young Bill and. And the original owner builder of the car uh, going over details. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of a trip. At the time, cool. at the time, I didn't really trip off stuff like that. But now I'm like, wow, that was pretty neat. Not, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even really a big part of it, but it was just kind of cool to be around that, you know. And like Roy, I don't know why Roy. I don't know why Roy hired me. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like 20 years old, and he just like, he was he just kind of turned me loose under the chassis and then ryan pretty much right off the bat ryan started me and ryan started working together and everything and, uh, yeah we've we've been yeah stuck in a in a very small shop confined spaces together for a long time the shop that we're in now is obviously a lot larger than what we started out in but yeah, yeah. roy had like a little like 800 square foot little bay for us basically and we did <laughs> everything in there we would well, at the time, we were just doing frames at the very beginning. Completely but, legitimate. You know? Yeah, but I had, like, an exhaust fan <laughs> and a bathroom, and that was our dungeon. We'd call it, like, the dungeon. But we would do – so we did a bunch of chassis and stuff and motors and started doing, like, small parts and, like, a little bit of, like um, – I'll smooth the fuck out of a rear end. Yeah. You know, you're I don't the think anybody champion. can do better. But like, <laughs> Put that out yeah. there. <laughs> if anybody wants to take the title, I'll, I'll give it up. Yeah. You get the belt. <laughs> you want to smooth a, smooth a nine-inch – Curry rear end all. They have to do it as nice and as quick as you. Yeah. That's the goal. We'll have to have like a, some sort of. I'm down if if anybody wants to challenge for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, those were the things we were laughing at when when we were younger. It was like, I was taking a fucking week to do a rear end. I didn't, we didn't, there was nobody, there was no standard for this stuff almost. Starting about fully smoothing or how. Just, just molding, molding brackets and, and getting, uh, Getting welds smoothed and learning as we were going, and Trying we didn't have tools. Yeah. It was pretty primitive. Yeah, that day. you know, we didn't know what existed. We didn't. There wasn't anybody that we could look up to. I mean, you go to body work a car. There's a lot of old time guys, like like Joe mentioned. He he came up, you know, through through some old time guys. You know what blocks work. You know what sandpaper works. You typically know what products work. Some of this stuff, you know, we learned a lot from Daryl Hollenbeck. He he was instrumental in. And giving Darryl, Darryl a lot of yeah. knowledge that he had, especially on materials and application and that stuff. But as far as like prepping certain things or 
who's going to teach you how to spray a master, master cylinder, you yeah. know, or... Rolf kind of had all that chassis yeah, stuff. Rolf did, out. Rolf did. Uh, we had was, jigs and fixtures it. and, and the, really good at it. the stuff yeah. that got us by, but then slowly you start to figure out, you know, well, what would work better. So we, we've evolved some of the stuff, but I mean, we could go back here right now and we've got 12 years of paint on some of these fixtures, you know, you could go back and yeah. grind it back and, and have the, the basically decades worth of work. You'll, you'll see all the paint jobs. Yeah. You'll see the Reggie Jackson Willys on there. You'll see Roy's 55. You'll see Eric Clapton's cars, you know, names that we, you know, we're listening to the radio, the local radio and sanding Eric Clapton's frame and be like, oh, you know, whatever. One of his songs. painted his car, Woody. Yeah. We did a car we for him. We did do that. Uh, 47 Chevy Woody. That was like his car for his farm in Ohio. Huh. That takes his family out in it. At the time, that's what it was. Like, I'm assuming he still has it. Um, We've been yeah, fortunate so, yeah. to do the sort of, or do the work that was just standard. Whatever showed up, we did. We didn't know. Usually, it didn't have a name, a recognizable name on it. You know, you get something with fucking Sharpie on it that you got to rinse off. <laughs> but sometimes it's Clapton, and you're rinsing off a frame, and it's got Clapton on it, or huh. a rear end, or something like that, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and then... In 2006, um, Roy asked if he'd be interested in painting Rich Jackson's Willys. Um, it was a long-time project at the shop, and uh, um, of course, I was super excited, yeah. you know. And um, the car, it was uh, it was an original steel Willys. It was rough. Um, the guys at Roy's did some metal work on it, and they fitted fiberglass refenders to it and they put a glass one piece nose on it. it had a full they built the chassis there I don't remember I think Dan Hall did that chassis maybe yeah. or Jack Stratton maybe they might have done it together I don't remember but it had a blown injected Hemi in it um, had an automatic in it but it was a cool car totally my style I loved gassers yeah. when I was a kid I was muscle cars and like I really liked gassers like my dad I grew up watching all the Jackson Brothers videos and uh hearing about stuff. And my dad's friend actually had a 41, was it 40? 40 or 41 Willys. And it was an old gasser from the 60s. And um, it was his street car in like the 70s. He actually used to chain it to the light pole up the street from my grandparents' house where his mom and dad lived. So then we'd steal it. He used to run the chain through the hollow brands and tie it, you know, chain it to the um, light pole. And if anybody is from South City at that time, that's in the cars, they'll probably remember it in Brentwood. But, um, so anyways, like when I was a little guy, my dad would take me down to his house when, after he moved and he had that Willie's there and I remember thinking, this thing is cool. Like, this is badass. Yeah. And then, uh, long story short, I guess he ended up selling that car to another guy that my dad knew. And then, um, Don, the guy I mentioned earlier, painted it for him, did a quickie paint job on it. And Don, uh, paid me to work on that thing. So when I was 16, I ended up body working like the front end and some of the fenders and it was weird, but. Anyway, so yeah, we did Reggie Jackson's car, and uh, we started on that, and then Roy wanted to build a Tri-5 Chevy. Those were kind of getting more popular mm -hmm. at the time. I mean, they still are very popular, but uh, it was his personal car. So we, Roy had me uh, like put quarter panels on it. The car looked pretty shitty when he got it, and then we got it blasted, or no, we got it, we dipped it, uh -huh. and it was really bad. The quarter panels were shot, it was beat. Um, the only saving grace was it was pretty rust-free. Yeah. The floors were pretty clean in it, so um, Roy had me do quarter panels on it. Um, at that time, they only sold hard top quarter panels, and the car's a sedan, so I had to kind of 
do a little modification, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So I'd ask Bill for his advice. And uh, that was the first kind of collaboration, I guess, between the three of us. Yeah, we definitely. were all really young. I wasn't even 20 when we started that car, I don't think. No, I was 21. I was 21. But um, yeah, so we did that. And then it kind of did the quarters on it, and then it kind of sat for a minute. And then, um, meantime, worked on Reggie Jackson's car. And then Roy uh, had bought a Morrison chassis for the 55. And so me and Bill put the body on the chassis and set it up and mocked the car up all in bare metal and um, got the doors hung on it and uh, started doing metal work on it together. And that was pretty fun. That was, yeah. we got to hang out in the fab shop at Roy's in the fab section. And uh, like I made turn signals for it from scratch. Bill kind of coached me on what to do. I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I just told Bill, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And he would like, just listen to what I'm saying and go do it. So like I made a wooden buck and made the buckets and the lenses, um, made the lenses out of some stuff from Ace Hardware across the street. And then um, made like the rings out of some plate and cut them out and ground them down and polished them and welded them all together. Learned how to TIG weld on that car, basically. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, I think I'm going to help, too. Yeah, you kind of started showing me the basics of like, how to turn the welder on. and like That was the thing about working at Roy's, too, is... Everything's... Mostly everything's TIG welded. Learned how to TIG weld. Yeah, I learned that. <laughs> Jack Stratton taught me how to TIG weld when I was super young. Uh-huh. Sweeping and TIG welding, you know, and just practicing, yeah. practicing, practicing. And then when Joe finally came over... It was kind of funny because Joe worked over on the paint side, which was a little bit separated yeah. from Roy's shop, and he was he was sort of in the dungeon, as we called it, and uh, he would come. But I I was familiar with with the main shop. I worked there. And yeah, Ryan knew just where everything was and been been around it for a long time and helped Roy run around that place and clean it and just organize it and do all kinds of fun stuff. But when Joe started coming over and then learning. The, the sort of fab the higher end fab side I mean he had the he had the arc welding skills from shop class and, yeah. and working in the, the garage and stuff but, but the, yeah. to watch him sort of learn from Bill and learn from the other guys I mean you learn quickly when you're around guys with the kind of knowledge that Jack Stratton you know Dan Hall the, everybody that worked at Roy's and a lot of those guys have been there a long time. Those guys are stacking dimes every time they weld, and I'm just blowing through tungsten and <laughs> blowing holes in sheet metal and want to zapping yourself cry. And, yeah. But yeah, so we ended up finishing Reggie's Willie's and Roy's Fifty Five at the same time. Yeah. And they both debuted at the what was then the San Francisco Rod and Custom Show at the Cal Palace in two thousand seven, January two thousand seven. And uh, <clears throat> and that was around the time Travis over here was born, I think. Yeah, I think Travis <laughs> was like maybe a year old. Sitting over there in the corner. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time I that had seen a car that I painted like at an indoor show. Oh, wow. And I remember walking. I remember we, we finished at 55, but literally we put the hood on it. And it went out the door and went to the show. Like we, we finished it. That never happened. Yeah. I remember, uh, yeah, pretty much every car done ends up like that. <laughs> no. Not anymore. We're getting better. But, uh. Yeah, it was pretty nuts, like, walking in there and seeing, you know, the the 55 was the first, well, I saw the 55 first, and it was, it's uh, pink and gold, and seen it under the lights, and I was like, holy, like, wow, this is kind of crazy, and then the... And locally, you know, we're... Yeah, locally, we had, still, we had some friends, and, like, family would go, oh, you want to car in the car, show, go check it out. And yeah, this is still really right. close to And that home. car was badass, it was done yeah. nicely, I mean, I'm not talking about the paint job, I mean, you know, Morrison chassis, it was, like, one of the first ones around with the Morrison chassis, 
Um, had a dual quad, 3D3 Chevy in it, five-speed stick shift. It had a um, Sid Shaver's interior. And the car was total 60 style. I built it specialties, built Royal one off set of wheels yeah. for it, which were kind of Corvette style wheels. Yeah. And like, that thing was totally different than anybody was doing at the time. You know, it was, it was kind of far out there, but kind of reserved to yeah. where it was received really well. Um, Reggie's Willys went over really well. It had the, the right look to it. You know, blower motor, and that was a really cool car. Man, well, those kind of a blur. Those, that. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for many reasons, but those just, yeah. those two cars kind of set. That was like the very beginning of the hot rods. Definitely yeah. set Joe up to uh, get recognized by Roy as being capable of, of yeah, doing cars. Like the door so bit there. guys would come in. I don't want to say with lesser lesser quality jobs, but just cars that cars that were a little different cars that weren't when we did a fiberglass was it what's uh no dj's car that was a glass outlaw body that was a glass body we did another willies for a guy in hawaii DJ i think it, at the point you know roy had a, a few go-to shots that was in 2007 jobs. we did that yeah we just kind of did like we would still do chassis and stuff and then roy would always kind of just have us doing a body you know it was yeah. maybe a guy who you know i don't really actually i don't know what roy deals with those guys maybe <laughs> maybe they thought daryl was yeah, making their cars i don't yeah, know we're, out we're, we're definitely weren't daryl pulling the jobs, limitations but, is up at this point yeah <laughs> but like you know we always did we always had a car going too and uh like we well, did it, was uh, suppl- it, it supplemented us we did know? like you know we did uh we did the the willies we called it the hawaii willies it was blue, had a blown small block Chevy. It's pretty cool. We did a an Australian built thirty four, was a thirty four Phaeton, right? Blue yeah, Phaeton that looked like it had rolled down a ravine and was just beat <laughs> to death. Uh-huh. And, uh, the Australian uh, ones too are a little yeah, had like a wooden floor. It was crazy. It was like it was. I don't know. It was nuts. And uh, Bill was very helpful with that too. Like I didn't really know how the cars should look. Like I figured you would just bodywork the panel and paint them. And Bill was kind of the guy who turned the light on in my head. When we first started on Roy's car, who was like, no, dude, like, you need to make this thing fit flush front to back. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, like the quarter panel is bowed out way farther than the door. Like, why don't we just bond the quarter panel and bond the door? He'd be like, no, cut the quarter panel and hammer it in, weld it up and, you know, make it fit right. And I didn't really understand that until Bill kind of showed me that on Roy's car. And then from then it kind of clicked. Bill was kind of the guy that taught me, don't be scared, just cut shit up and weld it back together. Yeah. Make it fit right. That's cool. Um, it's different yeah. building customs and doing collision work. You know, like Way different. Yeah, I, I hated doing. I didn't say I hate doing collision work. I hated, like, I hated like fixing plastic bumpers. Yeah. That was like the worst thing in my life at the time. Yeah. I hated it. And well, uh, for a day job, and then going home at night and working on yeah, other I was working things. on stuff at night, it, like uh, doing bikes and cars at night. Like I was doing. I, I remember I did a Firebird for my cousin. I was like seventeen, and uh, that was kind of cool. Striped it, and, you know probably didn't look too good but the time it's kind of cool but um yeah so then throughout those years 2007 to 2010 we were kind of on a roll at Roy's doing stuff and then um business kind of slightly slowed down at Roy's and I had a lot more side work going on which Ryan would help me would work on me with stuff sometimes and that was about the trend the transitional yeah, year from 2010 was a transitional year I remember creating Campani color as an actual yeah. shop really well well basically we were working at stuff in my garage at home my two-car garage yeah yeah so we were doing cars complete cars out of there bikes 
Um, so, so in 2010, basically, I went part-time at Roy's. Mm-hmm. And then I'd work on stuff at my house. Um, with Ryan, sometimes he'd come over. Ryan lived there for a while. <laughs> Twice, actually. Yeah. But, like, it was, kind of, it was fun then. Because, like, I, my wife... You know, we didn't have much overhead at the time, really. Looking back, we didn't. Um, and my wife worked full-time. and uh, So, like, oh, we were doing all right with money. Like, we were doing some cars on the side. And, like, you know, we'd, we'd work it on, like, a Friday. Like, hey, it's noon. Let's go up the street to the market and get a tri-tip and barbecue. And then we'd, like, play catch with my dog. And Might then, have a Negro Medella or two. We'd have a, a beer. <laughs> then, all right, you know, it's two. Let's get back to work. And we work till 10 o'clock at night. And we were doing, like, a... Oh, yeah, we had all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was fun back then. I heard this one guy one night, one day, he, um, this guy that I, I knew from South City at the time, he uh, had a Vega drag race car, ran like eights. And uh, he pulled up in front of the house one day at like 10 in the morning, and it's like a Friday, and he unloaded the thing. It's just gnarly, you know, it had a crazy motor in it. Yeah. And, and uh, it was bright orange. And, uh, but it was all, he, he had scuffed it himself. He just wanted me to spray it flat black. And, uh, the neighbors are looking and things rowdy. We live in a quiet neighborhood. We back it in the garage, shut the doors, and I masked it off and cleaned it up. And by like five, I was done. I sprayed it and I was done. I just sprayed it satin black. And the next day, he comes back, loads it back up. My neighbor comes out. And he's like, Ah, oh, Vega, there was an orange Vega out here yesterday. Drag car too. Sounded just like this. And then he was sitting there, and I'm like, Oh yeah, okay, cool. And then. Uh, I see the light click and he's like, is this the same car? And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> he's like, did you paint it in your garage? I'm like, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I did. But he, my neighbors are super cool about that. And then um, another guy, we did another, finished up a drag car for another guy that another shop started. And uh, like, that was kind of fun doing that drag cars. And like, we did a, a Pro Street 69 Camaro that was started in the 70s and it stopped. So it was still like 70s fresh, had an uh, mechanical injected small block with a Doug Nash five speed and a Dana sixty rear end, and we finished that car up. I think it was pretty cool. We did like Shit a Corvette. And, yeah, yeah and we, we did, did your a, dad's Corvette that's sitting next to yeah, us out here, and we started that thing. Body with that. Started. We did a sixty five Corvette Roadster. Did a bunch of repair work on cars. Did a lot of bikes too. A lot of bikes. That kind of that started we, the Corvette you're talking about too. I mean, we have customers now. We, yeah. We being Joe and Bill, but. Um, Guys recognized at the time Joe's skill set and uh, knew that they could get a good deal because obviously, like Joe said, overhead was low and he was trying to make a name, but also just just trying to do good work. Like yeah, yeah. like like doing the work, and, this owner skills. And so, I like to be busy. Yeah, Tony Gerardo. I like making money. Which yeah. you're familiar with his forty that yeah. that Bill just Bill and Donnie actually just. <clears throat> Yeah, we've done a lot got of that thing done, and and as yeah. we're talking, he's up in Canada right now. So um, with the forty, they drove it up to the two states. Wow. Yeah. And so he's been a real supportive guy, building quality cars. Yeah. There, you know, Tony made it up there, no problems. And yeah. uh, we have another another car that a customer built. Uh, Tony Gilardi is up there with the thirty two that's on that's pictured behind you. Yeah. The flamed one. Yeah. He he drove his car up there too. So. Tony Gerardo was uh, the guy early on was like, yeah, I'd love one of these cheap paint jobs. <laughs> cheap, good, high quality paint jobs. So. I already came to pick up his vet and he stared at it. 
for like 10, 15 minutes. And it was it was a chassis off restoration. So I just had the body on the cart with the doors hung on it. And it was all painted and polished and the engine compartment was painted and the bottom of it was done. <laughs> he house. looked at it for like... In-house, literally. Yeah, in, in, in garage in next garage, to yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, literally. And uh, he was... Uh, he looked at it for a while and he was like, all right, show me the imperfections. <laughs> and I laughed and I was like, there's nothing... I just told him something like... You won't. You're nothing. You're. Gonna, we, I'm not gonna. I don't know. Something. I don't think along the lines of like, if you can't see, I'm not gonna point them out. To yeah. You. Like he laughed. And, we were but, young. I mean, yeah. we're but still, I remember, yeah, still young. The garage days were fun. It was kind of crazy. Like our house was a fixer upper when we got it. I mean, it still kind of is. It's not really done, but <laughs> like our living room, it was just me and my wife at the time. We didn't have kids, and um, I remember we had an entire that '69 Crown Pro Street car. I had the whole front clip, the doors, the, all the glass out of the car, all the trim, the trunk lid. Wheels and tires, everything was stacked up in our living room. And it was just like, like the Beverly Hillbillies back then of doing this stuff. But it was fun. And then, like, I think in around 2011, we got the shot. We started writing space for Marcelino. Yeah. Which was like, a, um, his good friend of mine, me and him actually started at the collision shops together in San Mateo. So at the time, I'd known him for like 10 years, probably. And he had, he had in the meantime, bought a body shop business in Hayward. And uh, he had like 600 square feet of space, kind of like a little section of his shop that he wasn't using. So I rented that and then me and Ryan started working out of there and started doing stuff out of there. And then uh, not too long after that, Scott Hawley uh, approached me about doing his red and black 56 Chevy uh, as a turbo six cylinder with a five speed on a Morrison chassis. It was in Street Rodder Magazine, I think. I think so, yeah. Was yeah. it another Brizio build? Yeah. That was like the first car that I did for Roy's, or that we did for Roy's outside of Roy's. Huh. And uh, Scott uh, and his dad, they kind of did the car, kind of like a father-son deal. Um, they were super cool to deal with. And uh, that was like the first car we did that was like, actually got paid pretty well to do it. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, go for it. Don't cut, you know, don't eat, do it as nice as you can, you know what I mean. And uh, money wasn't really an issue. Kind of, kind of turned us loose to do this car. That was the first car that you know, working doing cars at Roy's was always like that. But doing cars for ourselves outside of Roy's, money was always an issue. Budget, you know, yeah. you had to work with people, do what you can. But Scott, this was Scott likes nice Roy's. stuff, and the car had to be Brizio quality outside of Roy's. Yeah. And at the same the first time, car that you had to represent yourself, and yeah, say, yeah, I'm, yeah. this is Campani color. You know, l- yeah. luckily we could hide behind Roy on some of these other projects. Yeah, and... but no, this one was like kind of really putting yourself out there. And at the same time, Bill was building the Lepesh pickup the, mm-hmm. for Dave and Camille Posey out of South City. And uh, I started working on, Bill started doing like some of the basic body work on that thing, like roughed out the fenders or something. But Bill had done a lot of the metal work on that truck and um, already. And so then I started helping Bill out at his shop when he first started um yeah, actually, he was still doing stuff on the side. Oh, yeah, there was that period. Of time. Yeah, so I was working there like two days a week, um, or and I guess kind of whatever Bill needed me. I don't know. And I was kind of whoring myself out. So Ryan was bouncing around. Ryan's a nomad. Joe's garage, Roy's shop, Bill's shop. Yeah. <laughs> so then, um, firewalls and dashboards. Like, yeah, Ryan's the firewall dashboard connoisseur. And then, uh, so and then, then I helped Bill um, finish up the Lapesh pickup. Um, both those cars were also the first introduction to the Grand National Roadster show that we, yeah, sort of. Yeah. It was two. Con- we felt connected to you know we were gonna actually. Yeah, that had our, our names on it. You know, so um, 
I helped Bill with the Lepesh pickup. I did some metal work on it. Scap the hood and actually cut off the whole back lower section of the cab a little bit, new section on, stuff like that. And then body worked it. I think at the time we were like dragging parts over to Roy's and using his paint booth at the time to prime stuff. And I was still working at Roy's part time when Roy needed us. And then, uh, yeah, we did the, so we finished up the Lepesh pickup and the Scott's uh, 56 Chevy pretty much at the same time. And uh, both those went to Pomona in 2012 for the Grand National Show. And that was like the first time that we had stuff there that we had done solely, you know, on our own. And that was really fun. That was like a, it was cool. Both cars were, were well received. Um, Scott's car, she got first place in class. Huh. And um, Dave's truck, Bill, Bill is stubborn. Don't want to open the hood on Dave's truck <laughs> or the interior because he said it looked much better. Closed up. Yeah. You see the fit and finish of everything. I can definitely so, appreciate that. Yeah. I think we still have the same opinion now of every car that every car looks better if closed the car up. show yeah. politics kind of conflict but, with yeah what you how you want people to but that was cool that was like the fun. beginning of the exciting thing and at the time bill had started um bill took over on the rogerio merc and it and nick had bought it back up to south city and bill that was like our next year's car to be done for pomona and um that car was started by matt townsend mm-hmm. um i think he's in riverside he, he chopped it did a bunch of stuff on it, did you know like the nicest mark chop I think that's ever been done, at least top three probably, yeah. in my humble opinion. Um, and then Bill took the car and uh, Bill changed a few things on it and then and finished it out. You know, it wasn't finished. Obviously, it was you know far from being done. Um, and uh, Bill did a ton of work to that car. The car almost killed us. Yeah. This is yeah. where things started to get a little slippery. Things got things got hectic in 2012. Like my wife, so my daughter, our first daughter, June, uh, my wife Amy, um, is like one of our biggest supporters. Yeah. We could have done without her. Um, so in March of 2012, June was born. My wife was off work, and I officially started the business and went on her own completely. Wow. Did I say June? I meant March. Did I say March? Yeah, March 2012. And then about the second week of March, we decided that my wife didn't want to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> was going to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh-huh. So we, things got real, yeah. real quick. And then, uh, so we started on the Rogerio Merc, I think in like July. And we also were doing, at the time, uh, the same exact time, we got a 57 Chevy Bellar hardtop for, from Brazios to do for a guy named Dan Sullivan. So we started jamming on both those cars at the same time. In the meantime, we're still going to Roy's a couple times a week, once in, you know, doing stuff. And uh, we didn't really know what the fuck we were doing. We had no idea what we were doing, but we were doing it, and we were working late hours, and it was crazy. And uh, so, um, long story short, we got both cars done. The Rogerio Merc came down to the wire, literally. Um, Bill uh, went. I mean, we were all working crazy hours on it. I remember going home at four in the morning, you know, starting at seven in the morning and going home at four in the morning huh. a couple times, a few times, you know, working just crazy, you know, seven days a week. I remember there was one day I didn't even see my daughter for three days <laughs> and she started having like stranger danger at like nine months old. Kids get like, like if they don't know somebody and they see it, like they get close to them, they get weirded out. And then I kind of realized that things at that point, I didn't really want to do it like that for that long like that. It was kind of weird, you know. That was kind of that's but, kind of how the shop operates now. I mean, the, initially, like Joe had said earlier, I lived with them, you know, been, been 
been passionate about doing this stuff from, I'd say about 2012 when I went to the Grand National Show for the first time, you know, realized that what we were doing was being recognized, and I think that's sort of the LePesh pickup, Bill, and his, you know, South City Rod and Custom, Campani Color, that's where it all That's where of, people started taking, taking, people, like, kind of recognize, like, hey, these kids. If people are curious about our work or what we've yeah. done or the story, that's kind of 2012, I guess, is where we kind of hit the scene. Yeah. Actually, it was 2013 because nobody really saw the truck. It was tucked away in Building 5, and it kind of got passed over. And so we brought it back the next year. Well, it was a Rod and Custom magazine. It, it well, yeah, it got the, yeah. I mean, it did get the People cover of Rod and Custom. We took so. it. We took, went to the SAC Autorama. But to see a car, you know, in person, yeah. to go to a show again and, and see it, yeah. And then, so when the Ruggiero Merc came out. The Ruggiero Merc was like. People started to open their eyes. We didn't even bit. realize what that car was. Like, Nick, Nick brought that car to Bill, seeing he just wanted to have a nice driver to take his kids out in. And uh, Nick, knowing Nick now, I don't know if he was downplaying what he wanted or if he just didn't really know that what that thing was going to turn into, but it really turned into a nice car. Oh, yeah. You know, Morrison chassis. And I know, small you know, Chevy, 700 R4. The car is very nice. It drives real nice. Plant, we didn't have plant a- the interior in it. And like that car just snowballed. Into having into everything had to be as nice as we could do it on it, and that car really tested us, our skills. But that was also about Nick noticing that we might be capable. You know, I don't think anybody really knew the quality that we could. Pro- we didn't know the quality that we could produce to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Nick was. We were, we were challenged. Nick kind of challenged us. And he Nick's was, in a Nick's in a, a money guy, like a financial advisor. <laughs> and uh, money, yeah, money well, guy, it right. made him. Well, there's two things to this. So, I think you know he saw a good investment, and in, I think Bill. I think Bill built the car, and he put a lot of trust into Bill. Because, I mean, who wasn't? Bill Ganahl, this guy won Pebble Beach, and he's doing cars for really cheap labor, kind of on the side, like, obviously knows what he's doing. So Nick, I think, saw that and was like, this is a great opportunity. You know, let's have Bill finish the car up, and then uh, Bill pulled for me to do the, and Ryan to do the paintwork on it, you know, vouched for Chris Plant to do the upholstery work, and... Uh, the team Nick was really creative. trusted him, and the team, it was kind of like the Lepesh pickup was the first collaboration of Bill, us, you know, South Sea Run Custom, us, and Chris Plant, um, Plant Upholstery, and uh, like that was like, oh, that worked out pretty good. Let's do the Merc the same way. And then, but Nick was like, Nick was a really good guy to work for, but he's a businessman, and it was like. <laughs> He was talking to me about like the price that I thought the paint job would be, and I really had no idea. Yeah, no, that's a big and I difference. I threw a number out, and he was like, had some other guy that was gonna do it for like a little bit cheaper, and he's like, you know, with the money I save having the other guy do it, I could take my kids skiing in like Colorado for the week. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I grew up. I had nothing. Like, like we were like, I didn't. I never went skiing. I don't. I, like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Like, let's just do this thing. But. I remember, I remember one time him saying that and like it pressured me into like it, it just stressed me out yeah I, I know but on the other hand you know there was this expectation to do the car nice and then once we got started on it it really was like no this has to fit you know we have to make this thing as perfect as we can that pressure and yeah. luckily the lower overhead at the time and our desire to sort of come through you know it was, it, we didn't want to fail no and it was the, crazy the, the bar kept getting set higher it was really higher. that car finishing that car fuck that car 
No, that car's badass. <laughs> that car made it. That, that car's great. I mean, you've got the... That car, the year, uh, that year, the signs that up car like, literally almost killed us. Like Bill, I remember went to Pomona and Bill was, I was at Bill's shop late at night, polishing the color standard, polishing it in Bill's shop. And uh, I remember we literally put the hood on right before the, the day before the truck came. I didn't know, I was afraid the hood color wasn't going to match the car. I like, I couldn't sleep. I was having anxiety. I was stressed out, you know, it was nuts. And then, um, so we finished it and got it to Pomona Everything worked out perfect. Bill had the steering wheel delivered to him in Pomona and put the steering wheel on the car. Wow. That's how <laughs> down to the wire it was. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh car looked great. And uh, people were like, people were kind of impressed by it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And that was like Thursday, like setup day. And then... Um, the triple gun back here. Yeah, we ended up actually winning the triple gun award, which was pretty crazy. And I... I don't know. It's still, that's like the... That's... So Daryl Hollenbeck, Zane Colin, and Charlie Hutton give out an award called the Triple Gun Award every year. It's basically an award for fit and finish mm-hmm. cars that are, and it's kind of, I think it's aimed toward the younger guys. Um, and they picked that car to win it. And then, so, but at the time we were still like, oh, it's just a nice driver, which I mean, it still is. Nick drives it all the time, takes his kids out in it and yeah. kind of just drives it everywhere. And uh, so then that thing, um, did well in Pomona, won first place, then it won the Triple Gun Award, and like, that kind of freaked me out. And I was like, wow, this is crazy, cool, that was fun, you know, it was really stressful. But I remember Bill was so worn down by the time he got to the show that he was literally sick in his hotel room the whole weekend. Like, I didn't see Bill, like, all week, or all weekend, you know, and like, the awards came around, and he's like, we're not, he's like, I'm not going, I'm sick, that, the car ain't gonna win shit anyways. That's how Bill is with everything, though. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, He's just, you know, the car's not going to win. And then, um, yeah, it went first in class, which is really cool. Like, totally, it's kind of a big deal. There's always super nice stuff at Pomona and stuff that we well, I went around and looked at. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get our ass handed to us because there's so much. Yeah, I think we have so lot, many nice cars. We here. have a lot of respect for it's everyone, everyone that does yeah. anything. We, yeah, it's because crazy. we know we don't. Yeah. We've been fortunate to be recognized for. I feel like we're we more lucky than skilled sometimes. And yeah. uh, that was probably one of the times I felt that way. And then, uh, even uh, we got the Triple Gun Award, which is really cool. That's like one of my most proudest moments, probably, was getting that. And then um, the car went. We brought the car to this. Then we decided, okay, we'll bring it to the Sac Autorama, and it won the uh, Concourse Elegance there. Wow. And then we brought it to Good Guys to the March Show. Um, we were encouraged it, to do all of these things. Yeah, we, at Pomona, we, we had some people approach us and encourage us to bring the cars. In the I don't. Shows. To and us, we want. We sort of wanted to move on from these cars. Yeah. The car, the car show thing is is almost secondary. We're trying to get. We don't build these cars. Obviously, we're lucky to have Bill, uh, and and Roy, and and they. Once we're done painting and everything, we we send them off and they're usually done. they go out the door and you know I'll give them a final <laughs> polish like, and they're put like together to not, and then not it's kind of like it. I don't know what happened to it. So detailing for each car show. Yeah. Uh, Towing. I mean, I towed the Merc yeah, to sack because. Yeah. I don't know. We didn't think to pay somebody else to tow it. And Bill was on vacation at the time. He went somewhere and he was he was gone for like a week or two. So, uh, you know, I detailed the Merc and then me and Ryan towed it to Sacramento and fucking with a pile of shit truck in an open trailer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, stuff that's like a quarter of the value. Of looking the at it now, we'd have probably been safer just driving it up there. <laughs> and uh, so then when the Concourse Delegates there and then um, we brought it to Pleasanton to the March show and uh, it won the good guys uh, mother's custom of the year. In 2013, which was pretty cool. That was like a exciting event. 
Yeah. You know, and then it got to go to Arizona. I think in November it got to go to Arizona, right? Or October or something. Yeah, it got picked. To Scottsdale. Because it was one of the 12, they have like 12 cars of the year, like muscle cars, creek rod, custom. And it was one, it won, custom, it won the custom category. So it got to go to Arizona, I think Scottsdale. And it was like, and on we're display. still looking at It was on display car. with cars that like Troy Chapinier built. Yeah. And like, we're, we're looking know, at the car like it, it, it killed us. It was a pain in the ass. You know, I say fuck the car. I don't mean fuck the car, but it the the amount of effort that goes into these things, you know, I I mean, I guess we can look back at it now and say, man, it is a nice. Uh, I do like looking at the car, but I love that car. It was a ton of work, and we never experienced anything like that. The pressure, the deadlines. But it, it also that doing that car made me realize we have to do this in a much more professional manner. Yeah. Right, like yeah, we can't. Like yeah. we were, dude, we were struggling along. We in were six hundred square foot shop with, you know, three cars at a time in there. Oh, and we were doing the Merc, the fifty seven, and we did uh, the chassis for the AMBR T, Mumford's T, that one AMBR yeah. that year. We did the full chassis, which was a lot of work. We did. Ryan like lost his fingertips sanding the brake drums because we yeah. Yeah. primed and smoothed every. I mean the backing plates. Oh, the Kinmonts, yeah. Yeah, the Kinmonts, and then like we I, smoothed I them probably had a hundred hours into each one, so four hundred hours. Yeah. At minimum wage says, but I don't know what it was, but it was like twenty eight thousand. You know, it was a lot. Backing plates, but but <laughs> that was another one where we continued to go back to. So from two thousand and twelve on, we continued to go back to Pomona for the Grand National Show and just continued. To be rewarded, I guess. Well, what, to continue. To I have think the real reward is just even being able to bring a car there. Yeah. Right. Being able because there's guys all over the world that they're you know they'd love to even just go to the show, and we're lucky enough to you know fortunate enough to be able to be involved in these cars that get to go to the show. Pro- and that's providing like, customers with 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 a car that. Was we're lucky we, people don't need us to do this stuff they don't <laughs> this is a privilege like nobody needs a hot rod right. no. and I don't know custom and like people we're lucky that people were allowing us you know to work on their stuff it's really I mean I'm fortunate for it every day like grateful for it especially having this shop now and the overhead we have and like just people people are like letting us work on their stuff that they don't really need it's kind of nerve wracking and in you know, one sense in the other sense it's like it's also very, you know, I feel very fortunate, like to have work and be able to go to work every day and do it. We that's only do. half the cars we've done. We're running. Yeah. So then after that, we uh, Richard Munns is already in the talks with Bill about doing a Breeze Coupe recreation. Yeah. Um, he owns the original car, but it's it's well known in the state that it's in. Yeah. And it's so different from the original Breeze Coupe that him and Bill decided that building a whole nother car. Um, Richard had some of the parts, the original build, mm-hmm. like the dashboard. Um, he had some other stuff. He had a bunch of other stuff too, but he basically, his, what he kind of told me was, you know, I had this dashboard hanging on the wall from the original car, and it's an old dash, and uh, what do I do with it? He goes, well, just build another car. So he decided to do that, and uh, that was really cool. Um, they started with the original Ford chassis, uh, Brookville body. Uh, Bill, once again, went, you know, Detective Bill did all of his research and figured how everything had to be figured it out, figured out how things were done, why things were done the way they did. And, um, you know, Bill went through the whole car or, you know, mocked the whole car up and tracked down all this stuff. Interesting, kind of a cool little thing is the old motor that's in that car, it was the old motor that was in the LePesh pickup back when yeah. it was shown in the 60s and they still had the motor. Um, 
And they put a small block Chevy in the truck and sold Munz, the Olds motor. Um, so the Breeze Coupe was a lot of fun to work on. That was a really cool project. We there's we didn't really know what color. We knew it was purple, obviously, but there's so many different color um, pictures of it, and it looks different, you know, in every picture. Yeah. We didn't really know what to do. So um, I think Andy Southerd has a book, and there's a picture of it in there. And uh, somebody told Bill that was familiar with the car when it was first done that the way the car looks in that picture is exactly how it was in person. There's a lot of pictures in the car and it looks way more red than it is or than it was. Um, <coughs> so we actually found um, a little bit of the original paint on an ashtray, oh. an ashtray from the car. Um, so we mixed that up. No, actually we mixed up the color we thought would be close. We sprayed the wheels in the grill shell and the dash and Bill took, we took the car, that car with Bill, we took that car and the Ruggiero worked back to Pomona in 2013, 2014. And, uh, the breeze coupe was in bare metal. Um, it was chopped. The motor was in it. It was all mocked up and, uh, we had a booth there. And when me and Bill got back from Pomona, we, uh, was, maybe the dash wasn't painted then because we found overspray on the ashtray that was original ashtray, you know, original color of the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we matched that and it was a little different color, a little more of a less, less red, more violet in the color. So I mixed up a whole nother color. We decided to use that on the car and uh, pretty much matched the ashtray like dead on, which was kind of cool. But that car is another South City Grand Custom build. We did the paint, Chris did the upholstery work. Yeah. And that thing went over pretty well. And at the same time we were, Bill was working on the Pearson coupe. Um, so mm-hmm. we were fortunate enough yeah. to be able to paint the Pearson coupe. Jim Lebowski owns it. Um, that was a big deal, doing that car. That car meant a lot to me. Because at the time, you know, throughout the years, I've become more familiar with the older stuff and the racing heritage mm-hmm. of that car and the history of it. Really, I really appreciate that. I like race cars and yeah. uh, things that, you know, go also fast. Just, just going back to the... <clears throat> Working at Roy's ten years prior, yeah. and and seeing cars show up like the all cars and all that other stuff, we were there the, the day the Pearson Coupe showed up, you know, and you you get a car like that and say, oh shit, you know, don't know all the history, and then it, it provokes you to go and look into it and research it, you know, like like I'm saying, I mean, cars, I don't have that history that yeah. a lot of people do, but I guess. The passion for it has evolved, and that that desire to um, to just make every car or every project that we do really exceptional. That all comes from, I think, expectation and our own pride and wanting wanting everything to be the best that it can be. I think some of that some of that reaction to the Pearson Coupe when it was finished, which was a long process and a long project and everything like that but it was I think some people almost thought that it was quote unquote too nice or too too well done we had a lot of people everybody seemed to like the car and kind of appreciated what it was um Mrs. Pearson still is still around but um she came to see the car Pomona and that might be she used to ride around in in high school and you know in high school, that was before the they were married, of and that uh, project was you know she told she she was crying and she was like this car is exactly how it was, tears is exactly how it was you know Bill opened the trunk and showed her and she got to see like the um, 
it was like a B-17 auxiliary tank, and they would run alcohol in it, and uh, they would switch it from gas to alcohol when they race it, and she said that's exactly how everything was, and it was wild seeing that, you know. We had a few people, when we started, okay, let me go back a little bit, when we started the project, um, Bill said, you know, this car needs to be nice enough to go to Pebble Beach if it is ever invited. Okay. That's our, that's our, our standard, you know, that's what we're going to work to on the car. So then we did a lot, you know, the car needed a lot of work. It was an old race car and it was, you know, it was kind of beat up. So Bill uh, did a lot of metal work on it. Luckily, he's very good at what he does. And <laughs> we took over from there and we did some stuff on it. And then, um, you know, we just did everything on that car as nice as we could. And uh, some people, I heard a few things that people were like, oh, they overdid the restoration on it. Well, how, how should it be? Yeah. To be restored, you know, should we spray it out in the parking lot with, you know, lacquer? Like, it probably was. <laughs> like, do we do, you know, the car is a, um, we just did the car how we needed to do it for today's standards. Yeah. And um, I'm really happy with it. I love that car. It's my favorite car we've done. If out of it, all the cars we've done, that's the one that's like, it's just the one. And it, so killed, it killed us too. Yeah. They, they've all. Yeah, it was stressful. It was tiring. We finished. We literally. We all cranked on that thing. Literally took off the jack stands. The the, tr- the transporter showed up at four p.m. <laughs> on Tuesday before Pomona. I think yeah. To Don, take it, Donnie and Bill were sweating bullets. And we and... literally took it off the jack stands. Bill hopped in it, fired it up, and first time he moved it under some power and uh, huh. pulled out, pulled it right outside, drove down the street, put it right in the truck, and then it went to Pomona. Um, no, I mean it had plenty. You know, we shook it down. They shook it down. They had like a quarter mile on it. Don't give up all the secrets. But it was cool. And then, uh, so the Breeze Coupe, <laughs> so that and the Breeze Coupe plant finished, and we had a booth in Pomona, and that was really fun. We had like a bigger booth. We had a, we had a couch set up. Oh, we had, t- we had chairs or couch or something. That's all a blur. I don't remember, but it was fun. Like we had a, and, a, and then so throughout the years, we like made more friends with people, and like it was a lot of fun that year. Well, so that year, I mean, this is getting to kind of almost present day. I don't know how much time we're running into, but, uh, that year that we we brought those cars was the year that um, Daryl really decided that he wanted to get his roadster yeah, done yeah, for, yeah. for the 2016 show. That was... For AMBR, you know? My take on that is that it was all kind of figured out in the bar at the Sheraton. Yeah. Well, Corey Talbert it's and written, It's written in, in... It's in all the... Ma- it's, it's in the Rogers printed journal. in magazines. The you could just read about it. I probably <laughs> forgot some parts of it. But we... Uh, Bill told... Daryl, hey, um, you know, when after you paint it, put it together at my shop. You know, help you out. And uh, agreements. And then I told Daryl, hey, fuck, we'll take care of the chassis, the motor, paint work. You know, whatever you need, we'll take care of. Just yeah. whatever. So um, Daryl and Terry wanted to take it to Austin to the Lone Star Roundup, which was only like four months away. And so, yeah, we did it. Um, Daryl did the body, obviously. Um, me and Ryan did the chassis work with help from Dustin Lazari. <laughs> he came up and helped us couple days. Shout out for a couple of And then uh so we painted the chassis, you painted the motor. You did like you like smooth the Yeah, we did whatever, but it was it was a collaboration. It you was know? fun, it was just friends helping friends. East yeah. Base being custom, a lot of a lot yeah, of people said during that, that project I don't know about a lot of people, it. but there were there was the whole um this idea that we would be competitive. Or that there would be a competition for work. Or well, no, people. some people viewed it. There's enough people work tripped out. When that car was done, yeah. way before AMBR, 
like when Daryl and Terry took off to Austin, there were people were tripping out because they're like, these guys, these different shops came together and built this car. Yeah. Or I don't want to take credit for building it. I didn't build it. Obviously, we did some paintwork on the frame and engine stuff. But it was really cool to be a part of that because it kind of got back to the roots of hot rodding. It was friends helping friends, and nobody expected anything in return. We just wanted to help our friend Daryl. And it was know? it was Daryl's us. been the guy ever since I started at Roy's. Daryl has I met Daryl two weeks after I started at Roy's, and he had my back. You know, he's like, "Hey, anything you need, you call me. Whatever, I'll help you." And he's always been like that. He's been he's he's always been there. Like every time I have a problem, he's the first guy I call. You know, and he's been super helpful and like. Being able to work on his car and do a little something for him, was, it was a big deal to me. I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a part of it, and I wanted to help my friend. And, like, Brandon did a bunch of stuff on it. Corey and Ashley, Dan Webb, did a bunch of work on it. Why would you, yeah, why would you not? If you're, we were in a position where we could lend a hand, and I think everyone felt the same way. Like, oh, we, we have the time, we have the capability. Like, why not make this a reality? And that car was at the at the time no amp you know just to get it done for austin just so that was it Daryl and Terry was a driver could drive to austin there was maybe in the back of their mind they wanted to enter it for ambr but that was secondary the, yeah. this whole car show thing is totally secondary i mean you know getting we, back to the the it was fun to be a part of that car and it was people tripped out on it because some people were i don't know other parts of the country i guess it's real cutthroat yeah. And like in the Bay Area, we're like a big family, you know, Brizio's, you have South Sea Rotten Customs, you know, East Bay Speed and Customs, Daryl, Hollenbeck, us, you know, we all came from the same, we all work on the same stuff, yeah. same cars, you know, in conjunction with each other at Roy's or over here. And like people from other parts of the country were like, wow, you guys are competitors and can't believe you guys actually worked on a car together. And they didn't even know, like, we're friends. Yeah. Right. I'm not competitors. Like, never looked at it as competitive. Never. Daryl like, no, Hollenbeck, he's a legend. No competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's no way we could. How the hell would we compete with that guy? And I think that that's kind of the segue to, to Travis over here, who's sitting quiet in the corner. Yeah. Like, how you feeling over there, buddy? Wake up, Travis. <laughs> I think that's kind of the segue to, and also the social media thing. A yeah. Lot of, you know, we were, we've, it's, it's, as the, lame as it sounds, Instagram's opened up a lot of doors for us. Over, over the, a lot of people. That's how I followed you guys' yeah. work. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's over the course of a few years, there you can represent yourself. I would consider myself famous. Oh, you know? God. I don't know. I've got a thousand followers. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but people come down to the You're show. famous in your own mind. <laughs> people come down to the show and they say, oh, we've been following you or, oh, we've seen yeah. your work. And they, they sort, they're sort of that lead up to uh, the unveiling of a car. Whatever you want to reveal about something, we're people we're get whores. to see. Just, everything's, everybody's tired of looking at it for the car show. Oh, happens. fuck it, I'll Travis. Keep, um, I'll keep posting, but th- th- this is the this is the story where Travis yeah, comes in. Gotta, he wouldn't have known anything about us. He's from Massachusetts. I don't even never even been to Massachusetts. I don't know what the fuck it looks like. He found us on the internet. Travis emailed me one day and was recognized. like, "Hey man, me and my buddy are uh, going to California on vacation. Can we stop by the shop?" And it was like the day after we sprayed the breeze coop, so that was here. Yeah, it was my, when it was when Bill we shared the shop right next door with Bill, and so I'm like, yeah, whatever, like come by. I don't, I don't care. So, and mind you, we've probably needed help for a few years, but Joe and I've been getting by <laughs> doing, yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. doing this stuff just really two of some us help. for a long time. We just needed an extra. We just needed another body to help us get shit done. Yeah. And uh, so Travis and his buddy Zach came by, right? 
Yeah, we, um... Why don't you tell us how that went? I think I met <laughs> you guys two years ago. 2014, yeah. Two yeah, years two ago now, yeah. Um, basically, was visiting, and as luck would have it, visited the Brizio shop, visited Daryl's shop, <laughs> and came here when Joe and Ryan were next door with Bill and Donnie. And obviously, I mean, coming from the East Coast, a small town, walking into the Brizio shop, walking into Daryl's shop, and then walking into Bill's shop, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it exists. Like, this is, you know, everything you've ever dreamed of being a part of. And, um, kind of kept in touch with Joe just as friends. And I was doing, I did a few cars on my own back east, just basically restoration stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the opportunity kind of presented itself, Joe presented the opportunity to me to come out here and work. And last year, last summer, I came out for two weeks and did like kind of like a tryout. And pretty much I'm the luckiest dude to be back. And Joe let me come back <laughs> and, uh, and work with these guys. And um, you did all right. <laughs> you did good, man. Um, I think subconsciously from when I was like really young, this was always the place I wanted to be between, you know, like music and cars and BMX and ski, like everything was all California, you know what I mean? And has that, how, how do you, does that, uh, how do you feel about that now that you live here? Is it what you imagined? I mean, yeah, it's, I feel like I'm living out a dream basically. Yeah. I feel like you guys, I mean, facilitated something I've always wanted to do and I didn't really... I think maybe over the last five years, I kind of lost track of what I really wanted and just kind of found myself going through the motions after high school and just trying to, you know, make ends meet and just kind of lost track of what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And I mean, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was doing cars, I was painting, I was, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But I lost track of what I really like, what the, you know, what the real goal was and I mean, these, when I came out and visited the Brizio shop and Bill and Donnie and Joe and Ryan and Daryl's shop and everything, it was like, this is it. I mean, these guys just take it to the level that it needs to be and like the passion and the dedication, it's, it's just second nature. It's not, you know, it's not for car shows. It's not for magazines. It's just, these guys just do it because that's the way it needs to be done. Like it was kind of what I was looking for the whole, like, I, I feel like I like, this is where I belong. You know what I mean? Awesome. Kind of fun. That was refreshing too when Travis came out because we'd never yeah. had an outs an outside perspective on some of this stuff. Like like I said, you know, I Travis told us so you guys are humble. Like I I mean These guys are the definition of humble. <laughs> like I never I mean, we never looked at this stuff as anything other than our job. Yeah. Yes, we're fortunate, yes, we're lucky. Uh like I said, I'll say again, we started out at the top. I started out sweeping Roy Bricio's fucking grinding dust. You know, like the that shop that there's that's that's at a different level than just walking into a collision shop, maybe aspiring to sand bumpers one day or something like that. I mm -hmm. I, I think we all, my, myself, Joe, Bill, you know, we did uh, we did get into something that that maybe we didn't know at the time was great, but it, it it was great. It still is great. And then when Travis came and like you said, put all the puzzle pieces together and realized what was going on. It was like, it sort of evolved slowly for us and, and became the thing that it is now. But we, 
it's just like growing up with a group of buddies, you know, in the neighborhood or something like that. It's no different. We just, we just do what we know how to do and we try and do it to the best that we can. And when Travis came out, it was, it was nice to hear from him that like, man, you guys are doing a great job or it was, it was a good pat on the back. It's, it's funny, like the social media thing, you don't, you know, you're just looking at pictures and you're seeing that these guys are doing stuff in California. It's like, oh my God, this is like crazy, you know, show car stuff. And then you come here and it's like two guys that are just normal guys. Like, <laughs> two like, idiots. Like, well, like, Some you know, like, fuckers. we didn't have a, we didn't have a paint booth at the like time. People, like people you grew up with and they're just normal dudes just doing cars. Like, it's not, you know. It's just what we do. Yeah. It's not for anything other than a job and we do what we like to do. Yeah. We're not really like cars are just life, but we're not really into like the whole culture thing. Like yeah. I don't really, I don't have so like we're just really just focused well, on. You have cars, but yeah, I have cars. But I mean, oh, I have a family car. and things have changed. But and... like, there's so many talented people out there, and like, people do amazing work. And it's just again, I think I'll go back to yeah. we have been not fortunate sure to be fed, <laughs> almost yeah. fed these opportunities. And, yeah, yeah, it's but, weird, man. We do come through, you know, and that was the thing Travis was saying. Like, man, you guys are, you guys are doing well because we, the people we work for are finishers. Bill, yeah, is a finisher. Bill exactly. gets cars. We done. don't build cars. Roy don't. gets cars <laughs> done. There's not ever, ever, you know, we can people, paint all. Uh, people Joe can paint all the cars. We we can do all the body work, paint all the cars we want, and have all this stuff. But if someone's not there to assemble them and get them running, driving, and make the other part of the deadline. Like we do come through on deadlines. A lot of what we do is based on deadlines and, and that's great. And normally they Sometimes revolve. it looks like we're not gonna make it. <laughs> normally they revolve <laughs> around the car show. You know, the the Grand National show yeah. is always like that unveiling. It's the Grand National show is what our whole year is centered around usually. Yeah. But again, once we roll that car, that painted car out, like we don't know what's going to happen. We we've been fortunate. The customers that build their own cars, they build their own fucking car. They get it done. Yeah. You know, and, and Tony with the coupe. He he's up in Canada right now with a car he built himself. Yeah, and he, built, he works at Muni. He's a mechanic at Muni, and yeah. he did a beautiful job. That car, that car has won more awards than any car you've ever done. And he's another guy. He he, he saw us from day one. He had a shop next door to Roy's. He, I used to. I, I was. I met Tony when I was probably sixteen years old, and I had my Camaro, and it was primered, and he was just a really nice guy, local guy, and um, he had a Maverick that was actually. It was badass. It's like <laughs> seventy two Maverick. It's rare to say. Right? And. Uh, he was just a very nice guy and a uh, very talented guy. Not much older than us, really. And uh, yeah, he talked about doing this coupe, and I was like, okay. I didn't really know how. I didn't. I didn't know how serious he was about how nice he wanted it. That's funny. I'm yeah, like, yeah, we enough. can do it. Sure, whatever. And then, then he's like, okay, I'm getting closer. I'm like, okay. And then he just brought it over to us, and we were super busy, so it actually sat for a few months. And uh, but we got started on it, and uh, yeah, he was like, he wanted it full tilt, like. We smoothed the bottom of the thing. But, but that was another color sanded. Rub the uh, bottom of the floor. It's all body color. It's like a full blown show car. Like it's. It's got an outstanding undercarriage. We got an award for that. I yeah. mean, but he, but he was one of the guys that worked so closely with us that he saw that opportunity. He remembers Again. my first. Yeah, Tony is one of the few people that remember my first paint job. Yeah. He, yeah. When I first painted my Camaro white. Uh, so we have had early supporters. Like, Joe definitely has he was, earned... I remember him telling me, hey, this looks pretty good. Where'd you do it? I'm like, I did it in my grandma's garage. You earned that reputation. Yeah, but it looked like shit. But he like, <laughs> it had runs all but over he, it. But what are you going to compare it to? Yeah, but at the time. And then... Uh, but we were also doing another car, the second car that we did for Tony Gerardo. 
So we did that Corvette in your garage, and then yeah. at the same time as that coupe, we did his Blue Roadster. We did a Roadster for Tony Gerardo. Seems like we were doing two at a time for a while there. Now we're doing like five at a time. And we're getting these Tonys confused, <laughs> but the <laughs> the flamed coupe, Tony, before that car was ever built, that rendering that's yeah. sitting behind you, Nick, is he told us he wanted to drive to Canada in this car that wasn't even a fucking car. They no, like he had it. He had the body. He had the chassis. That was his whole goal was to build the car show it and drive it to canada and drive it to canada and he drives he, it everywhere he's, he did that yeah you know he drives i mean he drives it's, this isn't the first drive right now no. he's i don't know how many thousands of miles I think he's in canada so yeah we had to bring it canada. back last year we did a refresh on it touched some stuff up just from him driving it you yeah. know like put miles on him yeah so he's in canada uh tony gerardo's 40 is in canada and daryl and terry are in canada so you know like, we have a part in that that, that i take i take great pride in that and you know being able to see those cars on the road being driven, enjoyed. Seeing them driven is the, my favorite part. Yeah. Seeing like you know, seeing pictures of Tony Gerardo hosting his car going on the ferry going to Canada, like dude, hell yeah! Or Tony Gilardi in the fast lane, with his blower <laughs> scoop sticking out in the wind is like, dude, with an you're extended awesome. gas. Those guys tank. are like, like I look up to those guys. Yeah. Like someday I'd like to be able to do that. Like that's kind of my goal in life is to be able to be like, wow, I can get to a point to where I can do that and go take my wife. And my kids, hopefully, if they're still interested in it, or if they're interested in it, or want to be around me when they're that age, <laughs> and go like, "Hey, we're taking a week off, and we're going to Canada. Yeah. Travis we're going to keep working hard." But... <laughs> in 2007, this is going back, but in 2007, when we finished Roy's gold car, kind of the his promise he made to us when we were doing the car is, "If you guys get this thing done, you guys can take it on Americruise," yeah. um, which Rod and Custom Magazine put on, and uh, so we were like, "Cool." That sounds fun. And uh, so we, in July 2007, we took off for America because the car had 120 miles on it. Roy set us up with like a spare fuel pump, some tools, like uh, maybe a spare alternator. Some we brought some clothes and uh, he told us his exact words were, he took us upstairs in his office and he gave us each 200 bucks cash and he goes, this is for drinking money for you guys. You know, I wasn't like, even 21. Ryan was 20. Thanks, I was 22. Roy. I think Bill was 27. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's like, here's some money. Have a good time. Don't fuck my car up. And we were like, okay. And he's like, have fun. And shit, that was it. We took off. And we met up with this road tour in Sacramento. And uh, all these people who were on the tour, obviously, were all, you know, they're older guys. Some of them are retired. And they have their own, nice, you know, super nice cars. And we pull up in this thing. And they're like, who are these kids? <laughs> Where's the owner? <laughs> yeah, they're like, is Roy your dad? I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> We built this thing and um, I think the first that, three that stops, was like the best yeah. experience of my life in cars. The first three stops, I think everyone asked, where's Roy? You know, yeah, like, where's Roy? People expected. were calling him, telling him that the car was on the road and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, huh? <clears throat> what? Get loose. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, we got to drive that thing to Nebraska and took it to, uh, where were we at? Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, I don't remember. What the hell was that Something. big car show? There was some big car show back there. It was huge. And, uh, but we had fun, man. Every night we were getting, we were out partying and we'd, we'd wake up to everybody taking off. And every morning, the people in the crew like left us. We basically drove across America by ourselves. It was fun. We had destinations, awesome. but yeah, we, we, uh, we got to see a lot. So yeah, we got to see, we got to see the Bonneville Salt Flats. We got to see Mount Rushmore, um, like crazy horrors, the Black Hills. I would never be able to see that stuff if it weren't for that experience. Other than that trip, I haven't really been anywhere or done anything. I mean, it's pretty much this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really. That was cool. That was fun. You know, it was, that was awesome. 
it was cool to see, you know, see how it is on the road. And we drove across Nevada basically by ourselves, just totally bored out of our mind. And the only fun thing about Nevada was dodging, um, what are those They're things? They're called tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds, yeah. yeah. Try not to hit tumbleweeds that rolling across the road. But like, yeah, it was fun. We went out drinking every night and uh, bought some fireworks in Wyoming, shot fireworks <laughs> off. Yeah, that's... Me and you got into a small fist fight in front of that Nebraska bar with each other. <laughs> each other, yeah. No. Yeah, you tried to cheap shot me. I had to take you down. We've got a few, uh, <laughs> a few stories. We've, ne- we've, never told, we've never told our stories. They're, they're pretty much been amongst ourselves. There's so. some that are going to stay confidential. But yeah. yes, do you have there, any questions? Are there any questions? Like, yeah. I mean, do you uh, <clears throat> Honestly, nothing. Talk to your ear off. Besides just wanting to hear where you guys are coming from. I definitely I want to know. hear about we just, new stuff you guys got coming out of the shop. Yeah, so right now we're currently we're doing a um, we have all kinds of crap going on. We have a, a <laughs> I'd say we're doing a, some of the cooler stuff we're doing. We're get we're doing um, we're doing six cars for Pomona huh. Grand National Show. Um, potentially, well, potentially six. <laughs> um, we are doing we well we did a Woody that's painted already that's at Brizio's. We're we're doing a, a forty what year is that thing forty six. 46, or no, it's 47. Yeah. 47 Merc Woody for Brizios. It's actually got the, it's getting the wood built for it right now. Mm-hmm. That car is painted. Um, we're going to do a black 32 Roadster that's coming up for Brizios. That'll be in Pomona. Um, we're doing a 65 GTO. That bill is building next door. Saucy Rodney Custom. It's a full Morrison chassis. It's got ET wheels on it. It's got some crazy, like 600 horsepower LS engine. Um, that's going to be a nice muscle car. Build. We're doing a 55 Chevy pickup. That that is going to Pomona. That started a that was like a 10 year project. Like not a 10 year project. I guess it started in like 2010. If, Sorry. If there's one long one couple minute longer story, that this the truck this is, truck that's coming up. Yeah. That that Chevy that you saw. I think you saw it, right? Yeah. It's candy red. Cat. It uh it came to us. It was a high school buddy of ours, Miguel, and. Again, he's he saw an opportunity to get a truck done. Unfortunately for him, <laughs> we uh, well that truck was I started that truck in my garage. Yeah. Um, I put a Mustang two front clip in it and a four link, and then um, and then it kind of sat for a while. Then it came down to the other shop, and then we did some metal work, and then snowball. we switched out the Is truck for the Merc, the Rogerio Merc, and Bill took the truck, and we took the Merc, and Bill knocked out the metal work from the truck. The truck was beat. I, I told him not to buy it. I went and looked at it, and then he called me that night. Hey, uh, Jim is a mutual friend of ours. Had the truck, and he goes, "Jim's dropping the truck off to you tonight. He knocked two hundred bucks off the price, and he said he'll deliver it." I'm like, "Cool, okay." And Bill, that thing Still was not a deal. fucking mess. Thankfully, Bill took over on the metalwork on it. Bill had to build the whole upper windshield opening from scratch. We got a brand new set of doors for it. They didn't fit. Bill cut them up, made them fit. Bill changed. Uh, I don't know if I did the cab corners or build it. I think build it. Build the cab corners. We had we, we had, put a floor in it. We had to trade the floor. Bill, basically. Yeah, we yeah. had to get that truck out of the shop so that we could get the merchandise. Our shop was so small. But um, so basically, we started that truck before we ever were recognized for any of these projects. That I that was going to be a low dollar, just yeah. a family driver. We um, it's turning. It's going to be nice. It's really yeah. Chris Pants just finished up the upholstery work. So let's go to Pomona. Keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, yeah it's a good friend of ours. That's like a personal, like that's like a almost, almost like a personal car. That's a South, that's a South City car. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. True to the roots. And yeah, it's um, it'll be cool. And then what else are we doing? We're doing oh, we're doing the thirty four Ford for yeah. Joe and Lynn Cuts. 
Um, that's a pretty cool car. That car was Joe's dad's car. Oh, it still is Joe's dad's car. Um, and he's had it. Keep it secret. It's a nice, it'll be cool. It's going to be cool. He's had it for a long time and he's always wanted to build it. And his son and his daughter-in-law uh, basically stepped up and they're like, okay, we're going to have the car built how you want it and you can enjoy it. And uh, someday it'll be theirs. You know, it's like, it's like their family heirloom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And then I know we have Tom's Phaeton tub thing. Yeah, I mean, we're, there's, there's work. Yeah, there's, that's <laughs> there's work out there. What else? Yeah, and um, I guess right now we're just kind of aiming for Pomona. Yeah. With this, with those cars, and then uh, Roy's bringing the gold fifty-five back to Pomona. It'll be ten years since it went there. Um, Scott Holly's bringing back his red and black fifty-six Chevy. They're having like a tri five haul this year. And, next year, uh, seventeen. Dude, I don't go by the date. This this year. It's the next show. It's this the year. Next one. It's this year to me. <laughs> this well. It is too. It is technically next year. Technically, but my year goes from January to January. Yeah, we we actually start our year in February first. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jim, we celebrate. Whatever, dude. We celebrate our years on February first. Yeah. Whatever day Pomona ends. So technically, uh, coming up, we might have eight cars in Pomona, which I didn't actually <laughs> even realize until earlier this week, which is Fuck fucking it. insane. And uh, I don't know. We're lucky. Let's yeah. put it out there. Stay humble. We have a we have a uh, we're doing a forty Dodge for a guy right now. It has a forty one front clip. Well, we're gonna start on it. It's a new project in the shop. It's got all Corvette suspension with an LS something. I don't know much about LS motors, but it's got some Corvette engine or something. And it has a six speed transmission. That's I like stick shifts, so it sticks out in my mind. Um, we have a Merce, an old Mercedes two eighty SL that we're gonna restore, which is something that we haven't really done before. European stuff. Um, we got a '56 Chevy that we're doing that was started at another shop, and then the guy, the guy ended up couldn't come through. Well, no, his whole life changed. He he basically inherited a bunch of property and money, and and uh, kind of semi-retired, but also had to take care of business. So then the owner brought us the car we're finishing that up. Travis did all the bodywork on that thing, and redid a lot of the bodywork. Kind of don't tell anyone. Brought it back up to where we <laughs> wanted it to be. So that thing's get ready to paint. We have a '69 SS. 86 Chevelle we're doing. Um, yeah, we've just random stuff. Some Harleys. Yeah. Triumph, old Triumph, Triumph Bobber kind of deal. Do you have any questions? Like anything else you want to know about in particular? Uh, we pretty much covered everything that I was... Yeah. You're enough of our bagging. <laughs> you can talk now. Pretty much yeah. used up all his memory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Well, I'm sure we could dig up a bunch of stuff. Oh, I meant his microphone storage. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I guess the one the one thing I wanted to, to ask you, you sort of touched on it, like killing yourself on early stuff, like the <clears throat> the Ruggiero Merc. What do you learn from that, and how do you take that on to the, the next project that you start? Um, I learned to say no to stuff. Yeah. Although if that car presented itself again, I would not say no to it. Not saying no to the car, but saying no because of time frames and and time constraints. Yeah, and knowing. I learned a lot from that. Boundaries. Like, we learned boundaries. Well, no, I yeah, boundaries for sure we learned. But also, like, is it feasible? Because, I, you know, I've learned doing that car, I learned that I don't want to sacrifice my family time, yeah. you know, for my wife and I think, my kids. Like, that if, if it weren't for my wife basically quitting her job and her career, like, there's no way we could have done this. You know, because she's home with our kids. <laughs> and um, Even without a wife and kids, I'll add, I mean, the nights and weekends and, again, the dedication, you know, I, Joe and I have come up together since we were kids, and there, there's sort of a drive and a passion to, um, to just, we're, ne- we're ne- failure 
is always an option, but I don't think that any of us look at it like... We'd rather die trying. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's kind of how Bill is, too, and Chris Plant. Don't fail. Don't. I mean, you're, if you say yes, you got to yeah, do, do it. Yeah, you got to do it. We learned that. I think I learned that from Roy. Roy is a maniac, dude. No, he can't say no to anybody. He just we're, gets we're, stuff done. We're definitely yeah. go-getters, but uh, I guess the question is, like, we get paid for our time, and if we can't complete... I mean, everything takes a certain amount of time, and sometimes... <laughs> That time isn't available. Like, can you finish this project? Well, and, and, to the level yeah. in the amount of time. Like, no, the the hours. Sometimes aren't there. it doesn't like, you fit. Can't do it, you know. But I didn't know that before. We don't cut say yes, and it We're would just gonna, be full bore. Yeah. We're not going to um, finish something that is below our standard just to finish it in time. So I think boundaries, setting boundaries, just saying, just knowing. I mean, we we had never done anything to that level at that at that point. Yeah, I so, think. What we learned from that, what I learned from that is, you know, time constraints, really what's reasonable and what's not. I mean, everything, cars do come down to the wire sometimes. That's okay, but I don't want to be killing ourselves for months in a row. You know, I mean, a week or two here and there, whatever, no big deal. But when it's literally like months out of the year where you're not seeing your family, for, for, this is from my point of view, I'm not seeing my wife or my kids, like for months, like it, it, it really, that was hard on, our, on my family life. You know, that's a took a while to recuperate from that um i'm glad i learned it when i did though when you know my daughter was young and not make it a point to see them every single day and spend some time with them every day um and also not saying no and, and being you know having that stressed out timeline with multiple projects it's stressful for everybody else involved in the projects you know i didn't realize how stressful i you know i could make it on bill by you know taking another car in and trying to get it done at the same time and pushing you know which I just didn't know. I was ignorant, you know, and it's, you know, I didn't realize that, hey, you know, sorry, Bill, we're pushing you back a little bit because this other project came in and that's kind of eating up some time and learning all that, you know, you have to really make your priorities and stick to that and uh, keep it, you know, stay true to that. I learned that from that whole craziness of that year. Um, luckily, every year since then has been getting kind of smoother and smoother with uh, like the craziness been mellowing out a little bit i mean we've been, been super busy but we've been able to work more efficiently and get things done on time i think we've learned what we're capable of yeah I'm, I'm very afraid of letting people down it's like some natural ever since i was a little kid i never want to let people down <laughs> and like it really bothers it really affects me like when people are stressed and they're nervous and like are you guys really going to get this done like that that uh, it's a motivator it we're motivates motiv me but it also motivated. but then when somebody also tells me like hey man you know you guys said you get this done and i'm having doubts you guys can do it and and they're worried about it you know that make i feel bad because i don't want them to be stressed out i want them to be com you know calm and comfortable and like hey yeah they got it no problem and uh i learned you know i learned that that you know, i don't want to affect people in that way by taking too much on or over committing or over promising yeah. you know i mean we run a pretty we're busy we're, we're jamming every day and uh i like it that way i wouldn't have it any other way but i also don't feel like we're stretched crazy right now. I feel like we got a pretty good hold on things, uh, time frame wise, you know, we're becoming more organized and, and, uh, also learned a lot on how, how long things should take and what just kind of, how to, we're still young and I mean, I, I well, I mean, I guess you know, guess, guess, not guess estimating time, you know, estimating, you know, Hey, you know, this car is going to take, you know, 500 hours to do. We got this many, you know, this many, like yesterday I, I figured out how many weeks we had left in the year and figured out, the hours, you know, yeah. that we have basically is how many hours we have left in the year. And this is what the projects we have. 
and this is about how long I think each project should take. You know, I kind of went off that, which seems to help out. Yeah, sounds like but, a big, big change from uh, just pulling in whatever you can, whatever. I you didn't can. care. I just, yes, we can do it. You know, okay. and then I'd do something stupid like bring in some cheap freaking Harley paint job for a guy, and like, oh, let's stop on the Ruggiero Merc and let's you know let's strip this guy's you live in fxr America. and paint it and then you know just we definitely which most things literally those jobs like that you know kind of bought your house yeah <laughs> paid basically paid, paid for the early stuff. you know but then it's like but then it's like well that was i didn't need to do that at the time yeah. you, know, you can focus on what's important you know focus on your people that are really taking care of you and take care of them you know back that's what i learned from that to yeah. take care of the people who are taking care of you Definitely. And we have return. I, I think that one of the bigger things is that we have re- repeat customers, return customers, guys that are happy, satisfied, whatever you want to want to call it. They are eager to come back around and, and do it again. And yeah. we're ready for that. We're ready for that ride. We accept the challenge. It, it becomes a challenge at a certain point when someone says, hey, I've got a car. I've got this idea. I want to do this thing, especially Bill. If Bill presents us with something, all these Quite a few of these projects that we've had have been uh, Bill like, hey, got this project. Here's the here, here here's the stats. What do you think? You know, here's the of course we're gonna say yes. Of yeah, course we yeah. wanna do it. And of course there's gonna be a, the, a deadline, and that's how we get shit done. And I think that's how everybody. If it weren't for deadlines, it. get things done. Yeah, and it helps to have a deadline. It it also helps to schedule ahead of time and figure out where you want to be three months before the deadline. Yeah. Because before I'd be like, oh, Pomona, okay, January twenty first, car has to be done. Then it's like November, beginning of November, and the car's not painted yet. Yeah. You know, and it's the Rogerio Merc, and you're going, holy shit. You know, and Bill's going, holy shit, dude. I'm not gonna have it for a month while it's out of pull. It's not even the Rogerio Merc at that point. I'm saying it's for example the the project. Yeah. You know, now I'm realizing, okay, you know, working at Roy's and talking with with Roy, you know, it's like, okay. Here's the deadline, but this is when we need the chassis back. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, we better get on it. We need the chassis back. You know, and then it, then it kind of falls in line after that. We're learning. It'll get there. Every day is a learning experience. Yeah. Learn something new. So, yeah. This is all just a learning experience. Everything has been by trial and error, basically. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we just talked for a long time. Yeah, I'm just taking up. That's like the most I've talked in like a year. Awesome. I, I suppose that's a, kind of about an hour 40 almost. Okay. So yeah. probably a good place to, to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for your cool. time. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for coming and actually taking the time to sit down and talk with us. It's kind of cool to just blabble, you know, babble for a <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Hope there's something interesting in there. Awesome. Cool. Might be able to find Thanks, Dave. <laughs>